Thank you, Raz. Thank you, team. Let's bless these guys for leading us this morning. Yeah? Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I'm Dennis, and uh, if you're joining us online today, we welcome you. And uh, uh, as part of our normal process, uh, on a, on a uh, second or third Sunday in January, uh, we uh, give everybody an update on the finances of the church and the ministry of the church. So if you're new here, you will hopefully learn some cool things about what we're doing, what God's doing with us. And uh, so I'm going to do that. And then uh, we will continue in our series, uh, which is called Gifted and Going For It, where we're looking at uh, the gifts that God has given to us to enable us to do the things that He's called us to do uh, in our world. So uh, I'll be jumping into that in a few minutes, but I first want to just talk about uh, the, the financial results for the church, and this, this next chart's got a lot of numbers in it, uh, but I want to uh, just show you, and I'll, I'll walk you through it. So let's start in the top row. Giving uh, has grown from 700,000 to 760,000. You can see we had uh, uh, two years of really good growth, 14% and 12% leading into COVID. And then um, we were really, I mean, the church was really moving in, in powerful ways. And through COVID, the church has continued to move in powerful ways. It's just that uh, our, our giving, and, and praise God, it's been stable. And that's not, that's not the case for, for many, many churches and uh, with that in mind, we are seeking to restore growth uh, next year in 2022, this year, I should say. So our goal is uh, 800000 in giving, and that'll be a 5% increase from where we were last year. Uh, our expenses have been well under control, but as you can see, uh, we've had a surplus at least for 18, 19, and 20, and um, our carryover grew to 208000 so when we got partway into 2021, we decided that we should give out of our abundance. And so we designated abundance gifts of $100,000 uh, in 2021, which is why our expenses are 875. They really were 775, below budget, but we increased our giving and we invested in strategic opportunities with our ministry partners, and I'll give you a bit of a feel for that in a minute. And so our carryover at the end of 2021 was 94,000, and we're projecting next year as we grow the budget, we're also projecting to grow our expenses because we're bringing an additional staff member on while I'm still on staff, and I will obviously rotate off of staff this year, so the following year, uh, we won't need that, but we're projecting a $25,000 deficit uh, this year, and our carryover will go down from 94 to 69,000. That's sort of our our basic idea uh, of what we're planning to do this year. And uh, you'll see there the average. We have about 200 giving units in the church, so the average giving unit uh, to cover the whole budget is about 4,000 per household, and that's obviously going to vary according to our abilities and our, uh, and our resources. So let's um, zero in on why all of this matters to you. And uh, obviously, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to release your annual giving tax deduction statements. Uh, but there is another account 
that I, I wonder if you're really focusing on. I know you've got your 401ks and all the other stuff. There's another account that's super important, and that's your L1233 account. What do I mean by that? L1233 comes from Luke 1233, where Jesus calls us to store up treasures in heaven. And the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, said all their gifts that they gave by faith were being credited to their account. So we believe strongly uh, that there, each of us has an account in heaven. This account uh, from the great accountant measures all the things we do in faith with our time, our talents, and our treasure. Everything we do by faith gets added in. We lead someone to Christ. We invest in a strategic ministry. We serve in the congregation. We serve outside. Uh, whatever we, we are doing by faith, that is being credited to our account as we think about becoming more and more global kingdom Christians, Christians who look at the big picture, Christians who see that we're all on the same team, Christians who see that despite our theological differences, uh, we want to advance the cause of Jesus. We want people to simply know Jesus. And as Paul prayed at the beginning of the service, we don't want religion. We want relationship with Jesus, and we want to see his name lifted high and his name glorified on the earth. Now, why it matters is because every time we do this, we are building not only kingdom impact now, but we're building eternal treasure. We're living not for now, but we're living for eternity. We're not living for the 70, 80, 90 years God gives us here, but we're living for the millions of years that will follow afterwards in an indefinite journey of love and joy and discovering all that God really intended for us. So, uh, looking at our giving, let's just take, break it down a little bit further. So, in this chart, you've got uh, the giving given across the top. Those are the numbers from the previous chart. Now, each year, we set aside money to go to 18 strategic mission partners. And that money uh, has been budgeted 96,000, 106, 111. And in 2021, we budgeted 120. And then we added to that the 100,000 that I mentioned before that we gave out to our partners. So the percentage of our budget on missions has grown from the 13-14 range, at least this year, uh, this past year, 29%. But we also have the opportunity to give extra gifts, and those we call donor-initiated giving. So you have the opportunity throughout the year, whenever God puts it on you, to make a donation to a ministry uh, that is over and above your regular giving. And we encourage that, and it, uh, it's a system that um, we, we initiated and developed that allows you to do that. So you can see there, we've got giving of about 130 up through 156,000. And that, that donor-initiated giving has been growing, uh, obviously, steadily through the period. And in 2021, we added to that because we took a special offering on Palm Sunday, where we could, inv it was Mission Sunday, we, we could invest in our missionaries, and that offering that day was 28000 So that bumped up the fifth, the one to 156. So then if you take our total giving, which is the general fund giving and the extra giving, then you have 
uh, a total of going from about 800 to about 900,000. And then all of the missions effort that goes out, uh, our percentage is 27%, 26%, 28%. And then this past year, because of that special giving, 41%. So here is a, here is a picture of a, uh, a congregation. This is a picture of our footprint uh, in the mission world. Uh, the map of the world here just shows us with these little red stars where we are active uh, in the world of mission. And uh, I want to just give you a brief kind of uh, some stories about what these things are that we're doing. So our, our, our work is across a broad range of areas focused on discipleship, focused on helping people become followers of Jesus, authentic followers of Jesus. So we work with college students through uh, Royce and Liz Baker, Jay and Candy Wilson, uh, Roger and Roxanne Hershey, and Kent and Jill Shellhouse. And over the course of this year, uh, dozens of new believers came to Christ. Hundreds of believers were discipled into their faith. And thousands of college students were challenged to make a career of ministry, make a lifelong commitment to laboring in the kingdom of God. Absolutely amazing ministry that's going on there. Serving the poor in Cincinnati through City Gospel Mission, through the Lord's Gym, and through Whole Again, we served thousands of meals to uh, families that were under-resourced. We uh, provided um, recovery and shelter for new believers uh, who were going through the process, dozens of those, and we also provided programs for children, whether it is uh, for uh, uh, sports or for uh, art in the arts, and that, those programs served hundreds of children. So we have an impact and a footprint in the city of Cincinnati. The prison ministry through tapestry and the work of Sheila Luther and Teresa Earhart, uh, the leader of our women's ministry, has this year brought backpacks, school supplies, and Bibles to hundreds of children whose mothers are incarcerated. What, a, what an amazing strategic ministry that is to bring, bring the love of Christ to those. Uh, new churches, uh, with the ministry of the Heaths and the Heidenreichs and of Silas Kadka uh, in uh, Africa and Asia, we were directly involved in leading, uh, our partners were directly involved in leading more than 5,000 people to Christ and planting more than 500 churches. Yeah, can you believe it? Look around, it's a small congregation, but by your faith and your trust in Christ and your investment, these are the kinds of opportunities he's giving us to be a part of. We helped in technology, we helped one ministry uh, with 20 tablets so they could multiply by 20 times the number of people they're training in Nepal. We uh, built an app. We paid for the building of an app that is going to allow uh, Muslims around, around the Middle East to safely connect with us in a secured platform and be discipled through our partner, the ministry Call of Love. And we also... Uh, financed a new website for Dave and Pam Ping, who lead uh, Equipping Ministries International, and the, our congregation members 
and as well the Wavels, who are also congregation members, are taking over for the Pings. This website is now serving uh, uh, the, the downloading of training resources and is going to reach 120 countries of people that EMI has trained who are now serving in the field and will be able to download resources for free and bring that training resources to uh, their communities. So uh, an amazing way. So you can take those red stars and you can add like another 100 on there. Um, young people, Mama Polita's Children's Home in Mexico, uh, the uh, high school students in South Africa in a, in, a, in a ministry that our missions elder Zeke Swift helped found uh, to combat AIDS was to disciple high school students to walk in the ways of Jesus, uh, to see sex as something that happens only in marriage and thereby, thereby avoid AIDS and avoid the whole catastrophe. Uh, discipling uh, those children. Uh, we also worked with children in Philippine villages. That was one of our investments, was to uh, take a mobile classroom into uh, Muslim villages and provide education when all the schools were closed down because of COVID. And uh, we also have Israeli high school and college students that we are sponsoring. And so these students are getting, these young people are getting discipleship, they're getting resources, they're getting scholarship funds, and many of them are coming into full-time Christian ministry. So it's a really amazing multiplier. So, and finally, training under-resourced leaders. In partnership with the Navigators, uh, we uh, are funding a program, a, a unique training program for high-potential African-American leaders in the inner city of Cincinnati. And we're also, through a partner in Africa, uh, funding uh, the program called Farming God's Way, which enables new Muslim believers who are rejected by their communities to be able to go figure out how to grow food and do it well and even make a business out of it. So these, these are just some, I could go on and on and on, stories all day long, but these are just some of the ways that God has taken, you know, our five loaves and two fishes and multiplied them so that around the world, literally thousands of people are hearing the gospel, uh, they're coming to Christ, they're being planted into churches, they're being discipled, they're being encouraged, and this is what God has allowed this this small congregation of 200 people to be involved in, in the grand scheme of his kingdom. And uh, absolutely amazing. So if you, if you want to know more, you can let uh, the person at the Connect Desk know, and you can join a team called the Rope Holders. Uh, William Carey, when he went to India, said, I'll go into the darkness, but I need you guys to hold the rope at this end. And so we call our mission prayer team the Rope Holders. And you can join that team. There's already 80 of us that are doing that. And people who don't uh, make Marymount home also are on that team. Um, but you can pray through about 10 pages of stuff every month. And by this time next year, you'll know everything I'm talking about. You'll know all the stories and all the amazing things that are going on. All right? Make sense? The last thing I want to do is I want to acknowledge, and uh, he's not here this morning, I trust he's online, but the architect and the leader of this mission work over the last 15 years in our church has been Zeke Swift. Uh, Zeke has been a tireless servant of our missionary partners. He is uh, the one that's established a lot of our systems. He is the one who initiated the donor-initiated giving 
uh, program and got it registered so it's done properly and legally. Uh, he has uh, engaged the missionaries. He, as I said, he's already founded one of the missions that we're involved in in Africa. Uh, he's an amazing servant of God. And uh, I just want to, Zeke, I, I hope you're on the line now, but we just want to thank you for your leadership as you turn that ministry over to Rob Urbanski. 15 years of amazing service. God bless you, man. Yeah. God bless you, brother. So I want to take us into a time of prayer because we got a lot of stuff to pray about. We got the transition between Zeke and Rob as head of our missions eldership, uh, missions role. We've got Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday that is being celebrated across the United States uh, by churches uh, as we pray for an end to the culture of death in our country, that it would finally be finished. And so uh, let's pray for changed hearts. Let's pray for all the things that are happening to stem the tide, and let's pray for our Supreme Court to make wise decisions. Let's pray for Steve Sessler. He continues to have significant improvement. Uh, it is very encouraging. Very encouraging. Thank you, Jesus. You are doing an amazing work in healing our brother. Uh, but we've got lots of sick people. But pray for Steve. Pray Psalm 91 over him, over his family. Judy's with us here this morning. Um, so we're going to pray for uh, that. I want to pray also for all of this uh, mission work that's going on around the world. I want to pray for our sick family members. I want to pray for our schools. I also want to pray for uh, the continuing journey to end racism. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day, and uh, we need hearts to change. We need people to be exposed to the gospel, to bring uh, the oneness of Christ to all of us. So here's how we're going to do that. We're only going to take a minute. I want you to stand. We're going to pray Indonesian style. We're going to test, uh, I'm just kidding. We're going to test the ability of God to hear 100 people talk at the same time. No problem. He can do that. So let's just lift up prayers. I'll let you go for about a minute. Out loud, just lift them up on any of these subjects and any other subjects that are on your heart. Let's just pray to the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you, God. Praise your name. Bless your name, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come on, Lord. Hey, thank you, Father. You're good. We bless your name, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Bless and end the culture of death, Lord. End racism, Lord. We just pray and thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise your name. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for the intimate reality that we can just talk to you wherever we are, whenever, that you're always listening, that you're always good, that you're always working, 
And we just praise you and thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being part of your kingdom, part of what you're doing on the earth. Uh, Lord, and we are excited for this next year that you would continue to move, bring hunger for, uh, for God among us, each one of us. Uh, Lord, and bring a, bring a blessing. And Lord, that each one of us would continue to contribute our resources generously, time, talent, and treasure. And Father, uh, for those who feel like these numbers are too much and that their offering would be nothing, I just pray that you would show them that it's, it's all for your glory. It's not the amount, it's the heart, it's the willingness, uh, it's the participation, it's the joy of being part of what you're doing. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. Let, let's sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Hey, give somebody beside you a fist pump and then you can be seated. All right. <clears throat> if you're new here today, we're glad you're with us. Um, Get a coffee after service. Uh, say hi to some people you've met here. We hope that you enjoy your time here. And uh, yeah, this is just one Sunday a year where we update on all this stuff, but hopefully you'll be encouraged to what God's doing here. So we're going to continue now worshiping in the Word. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 23. And the gift that we're talking about today in our series is the gift of the shepherding ministry. So... You know, we've got the gift of tongues, we've got the gift of the word of knowledge, we've got the gift of prophecy. We also have uh, gifts from Jesus, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So today we're on the shepherds, and these are the people uh, in the church that, according to the way of God, take care of the people around them. Uh, every father and mother is a shepherd of their children. Uh, this is a universal activity of caring for one another. And I'm going to be in Psalm 23 just to kick that off. Because here in the first place in the Bible, uh, the Lord uh, starts, um, identifies him, self. David identifies him as his shepherd. And so the text is familiar. I'll see how good my memory is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff they comfort me. You set a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of my days. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 by King David. The statement and the picture of the presence of God with us. The statement and the picture of the protection of God. The statement and the picture uh, of the intimacy that we can have with God. The relationship that we can have. The, the two-way conversation that we can have. And this, uh, this establishes literally the gold standard for shepherding uh, in uh, the scriptures. And David acknowledges God because he has experienced these things. The one, the one part there that I really uh, love and I've been spending a ton of time on pondering is he restores my soul. I can't say how many times in the COVID crisis that I have needed my soul restoring from just the frustration and the, 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 the efforts of the enemy to divide. And, and thank God uh, in our congregation we have remained united um, for the most part. But days when I just need my soul to be restored. And I looked into that and actually the word there, one of the words, the Hebrew words there is the word for repentance. Did you know that? The word for returning to God. So uh, uh, another translation, which might not be so poetic, is he leads me in the repentance that restores my soul. Because when we say, wow, Lord, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm whatever it is, we're, we're confessing sin. And he is helping us see that, that we're not walking the way we should. And when we acknowledge that, and then when we turn to him, boom, our soul is cleansed instantly. Instantly. I mean, the minute you confess sin, he is just and righteous to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So the minute you just say to your wife, honey, I was short with you today. Please forgive me. At the very same moment, you're, you're communicating to a person, but you're also communicating to God, and he is forgiving you like that. Don't let the enemy drag all this stuff along because when he says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. It's over. So the shepherding ministry is a crucial ministry, and one of the things that we encourage all of our shepherds who are being trained and, and released into this type of work is literally when someone has a big problem and they tell you about it, you know, remind them that, hey, as you confess your sin with me, uh, in the name of Jesus, I want you to know you're forgiven. If that person is trusting Christ for their salvation, for their forgiveness of their sins, then the minute you confess to someone else or to the Lord, you are forgiven, you are cleansed, and that is the way he restores our soul. So on this shepherding ministry, I want to do this in uh, three parts this morning. First, I want to look at shepherding in the Bible. Then I want to look at how do we interpret that scripture here, the way we do shepherding in the congregation here. And then I want to have a time of ministry and prayer um, that, we can, uh, that we can continue to uh, worship through. And um, uh, Razor, if time permits, I'd like to hit that last song again at the end. I feel like we're supposed to do that. All right, so uh, my hope for this is that you will see 
how God takes care of us through people and that you also would be encouraged to step into that type of ministry to widen your circle of influence if you are caring for uh, your family, but then maybe you're caring for a family member, maybe an aged parent. But I want, to, I want us to think about how we can grow in our ability to care for one another. So, um, shepherds in Scripture. So I've got uh, part one. Uh, so I've got some lists here of, of Scriptures, and we talked about the Lord shepherding David and David seeing that in Psalm 23. David also shepherded Israel well. In Psalm 78, verse 72, it says that David shepherded them with skill and with integrity of heart. With skill and integrity of heart. And as uh, Isaiah in chapter 40, I don't have it on here, verse 11, he talks about the Lord carrying uh, his people on his shoulders. That picture of the shepherd with his arms around the two legs and the animal behind him on his shoulders. But we then move as we go through the biblical revelation in the book of Jeremiah, in the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Zechariah, we see that it's all condemnation and judgment of bad shepherds. And there's all kinds of stuff in there. Shepherds who are not skillful, who don't care, who are in it for the money, are in it for themselves, and are definitely not walking in integrity. And we've got examples all around the church, everywhere in the world. You know, we're humans, we're, we're not perfect, but we've got examples in the church of, you know, shepherds flying around in multi-million dollar jets and living in multi-million dollar homes. And uh, we've got televangelists. You've seen it. I mean, it's, it's, part, it's part of the reality that some people are taking this shepherding and they're taking advantage of the people they're shepherding. And this is clearly laid out in Scripture. And we come to John chapter 10 and the revelation of the good shepherd. And Jesus in chapter 10 verses 14 to 16 says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And Jesus, in this very brief passage, takes all of that biblical revelation and says, I'm the one. I'm the unique one who is able to care for my people. And my people know me, and I know them. You know, if we're really walking with Jesus, we're going to over time, we're going to gain the ability to hear his voice. We're going to hear him speaking in, in all kinds of ways. You know, to help a neighbor, to uh, bless uh, uh, a member of our family, to uh, take action by writing a check or going to a mission trip or whatever it might be. But the, the shepherd is speaking. And if we can have ears to hear, then we will hear him call us. We will hear him and we will know his voice. And by our repetitious uh, engaging with him, whether it's the first thing in the morning in your world or the last thing you do at night or both, but whenever we call on him and we let him know what, what is on our heart, he knows us. And there are others who will not acknowledge him, will not walk with him, will not pay any attention, and he will say, 
I never knew you. So what he's asking for is a two-way communication conversation. And, and he is obviously our first stop for any shepherding resources. And notice that he lays down his life for the sheep. He didn't come to earth in a multi-million dollar jet. He didn't come to earth in a multi-million dollar home. He came to earth, as we studied at Christmas, in a stable. With the smells of animals and all of that, he humbled himself from being the creator of the universe, the king of the universe. He humbled himself to come down and to be among us. You know, unnoticed, unnoticed. There's no, nothing special about him, but he came in and he was incognito for the first 30 years of his life. And then his public ministry started. And as he taught the truth, he taught about the kingdom of God, he was killed for his trouble. And there is literally no equivalent in any story of a king sacrificing himself so his people could be set free. He took the punishment that we deserved because of our sin and our rebellion, and he took it on himself, and he died. This is a different kind of shepherd. This is the good shepherd, and this is Jesus, and this is the gospel, that whoever would follow him into this life of laying down our lives for others, trusting him, being a blessing, being generous, walking with Jesus day to day in that conversation, that is the good news of the gospel. And that is the good news of the good shepherd. So if you have never taken that step of following Christ and trusting him and walking with him, then I want to invite you today to make today your day. And uh, at the end of the service, if that's your desire or you want to learn more, then just come and see me and we'll talk. So the shepherding picture continues in the New Testament and Jesus delegates this job to his 12 disciples and after obviously Judas quit on him, the 11 disciples and those that they would also build into. And so right before his death, Peter, one of those 11 guys that Jesus invested in, he writes this in the, in the fifth chapter of his first letter. He says, I exhort the elders among you uh, as a fellow elder and as a witness of sufferings and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And of course, these shepherds were told in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, to train more shepherds so that the kingdom could advance. So that's the biblical revelation in a nutshell of shepherding. Now let's look at what does shepherding involve then if you take these texts and connect them all together. First of all, it means knowing every family that you're responsible for and their needs. It means praying consistently for those families. Uh, it means uh, visiting, whether home or hospital, 
when needed. Uh, it means helping each person here identify uh, whatever issues may be uh, happening in their life uh, and, and how to help them grow spiritually. It could be marital issues. It could be financial issues. It could be relational issues at work, all kinds of things. And these, these shepherds would be those that would bring, as we've said, bring the wisdom of God to help mature you as you walk with Christ, right? Identifying your gifts and the ways that you can serve uh, in your gifts, both here on Sunday morning, but also throughout the week in your workplace and other places that your neighborhood, uh, in your families. Helping you connect and serve in the body here. Encouraging you and disciplining you when necessary. Uh, and that simply means pointing out in love, the truth, and helping people correct things that are getting in the way of our congregation or of their family and helping them grow. And then finally, you know, helping them find special resources. Sometimes we need counselors. Sometimes we need financial assistance. Sometimes we need uh, somebody to come alongside us and mentor us. So finding resources as they are needed. So that, that's the picture of shepherding and what it involves as we think about unpacking this gift and putting it into practice in a local congregation. So uh, what, does, uh, what does shepherding look like at Marymount Church? Well, this picture um, gives you a, a, a sense of how we think about it. When we, the, the, the shepherds of this congregation, when we gather, we're like these Middle Eastern shepherds. Uh, we don't literally sit around a campfire very often, but we sit around a table, and our, our meetings is not a board. We are not a board. In fact, if somebody uses the word board, they get a $1 fine. Uh, it's a council. It's a group of men that are friends, that are in fellowship, that love to be together, that love to pray, that love to encourage others. It's, it's a fellowship that if you kind of had a camera in our meetings, you would see it's about half of our meetings is prayer. And it's just lifting up the congregation, uh, encouraging you. So you have, you have people who love you and are praying for you regularly, not just when we have meetings, but uh, with each of their groups of families that they're responsible for. And there's a lot of joy in it. There's a lot of joy in celebrating new jobs and new babies and promotions and the things that come along. And it's also, uh, you know, sitting with you in the difficult spots of illness and death and all the other things that happen in life. But this is our, this is our hope. This is our mentality. And then um, if you think about our shepherding, how, we, how that, these convictions, and, and, and think of it, right? This is a... This is an increasingly cold and dark world. And think of the touch, the care, the, the, the compassion, and the encouragement that comes from these shepherds. And uh, our shepherds have, the, the 13 of us, we've lived about 800 years together. And also, uh, we have about 200 years experience doing the shepherding job. So it is, it, is a very, it is a very encouraging group 
to be a part of. And we have some new shepherds that have just come in, and they're, they're experiencing the encouragement of being part of this as, as I, I experience the encouragement of my other brothers who are, who are together. So how does it play out? So this is our shepherding strategy. This is how we do it. It's five layers. Uh, and the layers begin with the elders and the wives. That's a team of 13 couples in this congregation. And by the way, our wives, uh, among other things, run and contribute to the women's ministry, but they also, uh, two of our women, Terry Robinson and Lynn Robinson, they uh, lead the prayer chain, the, the, meal tr the meal train. So if you're having a baby or you're sick and in the hospital, um, then I encourage you, take advantage of the meal train. This is what a, what a practical, specifically helpful picture of shepherding, bringing a meal. The staff is a team of eight servants, and we basically uh, take care of the building and the finances and all the planning that goes into what goes on here. And between the staff and the elders, uh, every family in the church is being shepherded by one of our elders or one of our senior staff leaders uh, who meets those qualifications. So that's, that's the first two layers. Then we have small group leaders. We have small group leaders that are caring for 11 small groups that meet uh, most of the time weekly uh, outside of Sunday morning. We have a pastoral care team. It's a team of six prayer servants, and they will go to the hospital, they will go to your home, uh, and they will take special appointments where you can have an hour and a half of prayer with a couple of prayer partners if, you've got, if you need rest restoration of your soul. We call it soul care. And then finally, we have prayer servants available every Sunday morning and every Wednesday evening. Now, the thing about this is it doesn't work because none of us are mind readers. It doesn't work unless you share what's going on. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. As you share what's going on, we get to know you better. We, we can be more effective. And that's why this discipleship survey that we're doing right now and we've only got about 40 responses, and we'd like 100. Um, but if you haven't done the discipleship survey, please do that. It's uh, on the website. Click, fill it in. It'll take you 10 minutes. But it's our opportunity here. How can we do better? What do you need to grow? What's going on here that could be better and could be more helpful for you? All right? Make sense? Okay. Now, that's, uh, that's all great. And then uh, we have the reality of life in a fallen world. So what are we going to do uh, when things go wrong? So part of our shepherding is a thing called the Social Covenant. The Social Covenant is a one-page document. You can get a copy on the Connect desk before you leave. It has these sections. It, it, first of all, clearly expresses how we will treat each other. And it sets the standard for how we want to treat one another, children of God, doing it right. And then it lays out the inevitability of when we will fail. And we will fail, and we will have conflict, and we will have strained relationships or even broken relationships. And that needs to be fixed. Well, Jesus, uh, Jesus laid that out in Matthew chapter 18. And he basically lays out a process for the church to go through and process all their difficulties. And the two key skills or the two key things that make that work are repentance 
that I talked about in Psalm 23, and forgiveness, which I also talked about in the category of John 10. So clear direction. How do you do repentance? There's actually six steps to a really good repentance, to let someone else know you're sorry. Uh, There's also six steps for a really good biblical forgiveness. How do you extend forgiveness? And how do you transfer the debt of the person who messed you up, how do you transfer that debt over to Jesus and forgive them? And then finally, uh, committing to each other to be accountable. And the goal is that we all together honor Jesus and his kingdom. And we've had amazing things happen. We've had marriages restored through this process. We've had relationships restored through this process. Um, And it's one of the things that I think helps us stay in unity. Stay in unity with each other despite our sinfulness and our selfishness. So I encourage you to get a copy of that because it will not only change your church life, it'll change your family life. Uh, It'll change your work life. When you you apologize to a co-worker, that is like super powerful. That will change that will change everything. Even if they don't forgive you right away. We do it because we know that we're taking responsibility for our stuff, right? So that's the social covenant. Uh, that's uh, wh- how we do things. And so what I'd like to do is just, I'd just like to have the, the shepherds in our congregation who are here today, the, the staff, the small group leaders, the elders, uh, the prayer people who are serving in prayer. Would you just stand? So I just want to pray over you and, and bless you. So Father, we thank you for these servants of yours, these shepherds of yours. We thank you for the work that they're doing in our midst to encourage us and bless us. And we ask that your Holy Spirit come and fill them with all power according to your glorious might. We do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Worship team, you guys come on up. As they're getting ready to sing, if there's anybody who would like to grow in this whole area of shepherding, uh, just, uh, just stand up as we get into worship. Just stand up now. And we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to have the shepherds come by and pray for you. So any of, any of the folks standing, would some of the shepherds just go around and pray for them that they can grow in that skill uh, of biblical shepherding? All right, let's pray for him while we... uh...